May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Scott Eklund, week one of Spring Ball 2021 is in the books. And for those who are out of town, wasn't cold out there today. Just absolutely gorgeous day on the shores of Lake Washington with football practice taking place inside the stadium as opposed to the east practice field. And for those planning on coming out Saturday, we'll tell you a little bit about what's going to happen on Saturday. But uh, Jimmy Lake talked a little bit about that post-practice. We'll give you a glimpse of what to expect. But I think the biggest thing to plan for is Saturday. The weather is supposed to be approaching 80 degrees. So uh, shorts weather on Saturday. Saturday, so should be really, really nice. But uh, you know, the thing that jumped out today, we had a lot of live sessions on both sides of the ball today, Chris. Yeah, it was uh, interesting because so typically they do have eleven on eleven sessions during the during the meet of the practice, where they'll actually go back to back, Kim. So they'll have the ones on one side, they'll have the twos on the other side, and they'll just and they'll they're able to just double up their reps because of it. But at the end of practice is typically when they have their extended kind of team session. And it was there where they had a couple of runs with the ones and I th- I think it was Cameron Davis was started with the ones running backs. And it was like a third or one, and all of a sudden they went from what they call their cut tempo or or rap tempo, thud tempo, which is basically as full speed as possible, but still keep them upright. You can wrap them up and then let them go. And then all of a sudden we heard from Coach Saha, we heard live, and it was like all of a sudden the the light bulb goes on. We don't hear that off. We don't hear that off. We don't hear that at all. And all of a sudden it was like live. It's like, whoa, okay. So – Immediately, my thought was, okay, they're doing. He's he. Jimmy Lake wants to see short yardage. He wants to see how they're going to react when it's like you know, the the bullets are flying, so to speak. And uh, they were able to get the offense was able to get the first down on a third and one. And then, unfortunately, some other news broke. I had to take care of. But over the course of that final team period, it certainly looked like they mixed and matched a lot of this rap tempo, which is kind of their base tempo during spring practice, with some live tempo. And especially at the goal line, they were able to do a lot of live tempo as well, which I thought was really fun. And Scott, Jimmy Lake talked post-practice about the um, amount of live that they went. And uh, like we said, we've never seen this much live um well yeah i would say that's some some of the case yeah um i mean i remember sark making uh jeff lindquist live one time in practice like making the quarterbacks live in practice one time that was a little unique too so yeah i mean i i think jimmy just wants to have more uh more live stuff with guys get them used to the tempo how things go and just get used to the live live reps yeah, uh, tell me, is there a player or two that stood out to you today, Chris? Well, I just thought again um, during the eleven on eleven, there was some there was some really mixed stuff with the receivers. 
Um, I thought Jalen Polk really stood out today as having a, his best practice of spring so far. I thought Roma Dunsey had, I thought, his best practice of spring so far. Um, I just have not been that impressed with Jalen McMillan yet. He just has not stood out to me as a guy that, that makes catches down the field, as a playmaker, um, which completely belies what he was in high school. You watch his film in high school, he was ridiculous. So I'm waiting for the light bulb to come off or to go off on him, and it will eventually. But right now, to me, uh, Bynum, Polk, and, and Odunzi are the three guys that have really stood out in the receiver game. And they really stood out to me on the 11-on-11s when they were catching passes. Um, again, a lot of drop passes, and more importantly for me, a lot of pre-snap uh, penalties when it came to you know, false starts, offsides, things like that, which... Jimmy Lake talked about uh, after practice in terms of how they, they clean that stuff up with uh, – he didn't talk about it specifically, but we've seen it before with gassers and crab walks and, and other types of uh, physical punishment. And, you know, we talked to Jimmy Lake after practice about, um, you know, the drop passes. And I kind of agree with Jimmy. It's just going to happen. It happens everywhere. It happens all over the country. And, you know, I think sometimes the fans and even people in the media – grab onto one thing and they just won't let it go we saw it last year with the linebacker play you know where people made a huge deal out of that and we're so early in the process and we've still got a fall camp and you know the thing of it is is just a bad practice and if we start seeing this you know um you know from here on out that might be a different story but you know there were a lot of drop passes but uh, I don't think that's going to continue um uh, well as an ex-receiver I know that you're the more balls that touch the ground, the more you get yelled at in in your in your film sessions and stuff. So, you know, they we can downplay it all we want. It, it's something to. I don't know if it's worth being concerned about that it's a that it's going to oh be my a God. ongoing sky. thing. And oh my God, the sky is falling. Yeah, the sky I don't. Suck. I don't it's know terrible. if it's. I don't know if it's that yet, but it's it's something to actually put in the back of your mind and say, all right, are they going to improve off of this? I'm I'm hoping they do. Um, we saw Jalen have some issues last year catching the ball. Puka had some struggles catching the ball last year. There were some drops. I mean, Terrell Bynum had was wide open and, and had one that would have been a huge gain in team session and dropped it. Romo Dunsey drops the one. It, it was the easiest catch in the world, but the one that was over his shoulder, which would have been a touchdown. Um, late, I mean, he had one earlier with the exact same throw, but um, that he did make the catch on. So, I I don't know. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's worth it's you know worth jumping off the cliff over, but um, it's definitely something to keep keep an eye on. One thing I would add to the mix is that they are going up against some pretty good defensive backs. I mean, when you look at Trent McDuffie, when you look at Kyler Gordon, um, even when they're going up against um, some of the guys, whether it's Bookie Radley-Hiles, uh, Cam Fabiculan, and is getting a lot of uh, work in there with the corners and the, and the nickel as well. Um, you know, they're going up against some good players, but you can tell when there's misses, and we're on the same section as a lot of the – uh, the fans are, and the the groans are audible. When you can you can tell that it's yeah. if there's no if there's no pressure on the inside in terms of these guys, they'll eventually get it. You can tell on the outside they understand these guys need to step up. Yeah, and I mean you make the mention about the DBs, and I don't disagree with you on that. But these are I'm talking these are not contested passes that they're dropping, and that's where the concern comes. 
But there are a lot. There are a lot of contested yeah, passes that are dropped well, as well. But I don't count those as drops. But that's where I see a guy like Jalen Polk coming in and doing a nice job. The very first big catch he mm-hmm. had this morning was on a contested ball where it was dead fifty-fifty to the point where. I think they blew the horn inadvertently. They thought it was a pick, but he had come up with a catch. Yeah, and they actually called it incomplete. The refs did. Yeah, it was correct. Yeah. It looked like a catch to me. He thought it was a catch. Well, the one to you know Odunzi that he dropped, it looked like he got turned around a little bit and was looking over the wrong shoulder and was really having a tough time adjusting to the ball. I don't know if I would call it more of of course it was a drop and you've got to make those, but it was almost like he had a tough time adjusting to the ball rather than the drop because he didn't look natural in doing that. But the other thing too is, you know, you've got quarterbacks that are throwing deep balls and Sam Hewers like Ray Allen out there shooting threes with the amount of arc he's got. And I don't know if that makes it more difficult with the amount of loft he's getting on a ball because it's not, it's like he's dropping dimes into a bucket where the other guys are throwing the ball with a lot less arc. And I don't know if it makes a difference. Well, just to add some context to that for the fans that weren't there today Sam Hewitt I mean basically it was just an over-the-top throw in the, in the sidelines and it was one where he completed it to Odunze and Odunze made a great over-the-shoulder catch it was about a 30-35 yard game it was basically almost to right the to one. the goal line yeah to the one um and so the, they threw it was almost like I, I put on the board it was almost a copycat he threw the same ball up it was in the exact same position and then Odunze doesn't catch it and so it's like... And on that one, that one would have been a touchdown. Right. And so it's just one of those things where the fans see them make a great play, and now all of a sudden the exact same situation can't, happens again. The quarterback puts it right where it's supposed to be, and the receiver doesn't come up with a catch. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, is it, you know. Is it harder to catch that uh, rainbow pass than the, than um, the line it, it shot? Just, I mean, the, the ones that are, that are hard as a former receiver, and I know I don't look like I was a former receiver, but as a former receiver... The ones that are the hardest are when you're looking back and you have to change over the other shoulder. That's what it looked like. But, but he, did. he didn't do that on. That's that what one. I thought he did yeah. on the first one. But you mean on the second one? That's the one, the one he that dropped. he dropped. Yeah. yeah, the one he dropped. He looked over the inside shoulder and he had kind of overrun it a little bit, and so he had to arch back a little bit. But it's it was completely catchable. Got to make those plays. Yep. What if that's against Oregon? Yeah, I mean, what if you get a, a, a ball like that? He he beat Fabi Kulanen off the line, made a great move at the line of scrimmage. The safety was late getting over. It was a sure touchdown, and he dropped it. You can't do that. It, it, like I said, is it harder? You know, if if is it harder to catch a high trajectory ball like Sam's throwing? No, or? no, it's easier to catch. It's much easier to catch one that's coming straight at you on the on the direct line. Those are easier. Yeah, but and it I is what it is. Like I said, not worth. You know, going to the Aurora Bridge and and holding up traffic as you're getting ready to commit suicide over. But well, that's what I'm, people do. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's it's something to keep an eye on. And if it continues, I'm not saying even through spring. If we're doing this, if we're talking about this in fall ball, though, that's something that we're going to need to worry about. And I think the coaches would. I think Jimmy Jimmy Lake, like any good coach, downplayed it to a certain extent. And and. But trust me, when, when they're in the room with Junior Adams, Junior Adams is lighting those guys up over that. Coming off the hand of a lefty as opposed to a righty. Yeah, that, and then that a, is different and, too. But they, and, then, and then you go from a lefty to a righty or a lefty to a righty. Does that mm-hmm. matter? I don't know if it does or not. It, it they does, will tell you it doesn't. It does. the fir- When you're first starting to catch it, it's just like when it hits your hands, it's, com- it's spinning the completely opposite direction that you're used to because, what, 90% of the people in this country throw the ball right-handed. But 
after a while, it's not that big of a deal. And especially the way Sam was throwing it in there with the loop, with the, you know, the huge arc under it, that, that makes no difference. It's when it's coming straight at you is when it's, it's more of a difference. You know, no matter how well he's doing, when he throws that rainbow ball, mm-hmm. he throws that deep ball, it's pretty looking. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, it looks good. But, uh, you know, the other thing that really jumped out today, Chris, was, uh, you know, Jimmy talked a little bit about this too. There were a lot of flags thrown in the secondary, and there were some false starts too. But the uh, flags in the secondary, it was pull and push and tackle. And, you know, Jimmy talked about that a little bit too. He did talk a little bit about that. And just kind of the way he wants to mix these live and these wrap reps up is different than what he, you know, what they would have done under Chris Peterson. Under Chris Peterson, they just did not do as many live reps at all during spring or fall ball. Whereas Jimmy's philosophy is to get better at it, you really got to go at it live. You've got to try to mix them as, as best you can. But at the same time, he totally understands that you can't hurt your guys either. You can't put them in vulnerable situations. So that's why he also talked about why that was a mix of, of live and, and, and kind of rap tempo today. But the flags, I mean, the amount of pre-snap penalties, like for the 11-on-11 situations, and then like you said, in, in the one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens, those are a little tougher because in the one-on-ones, there's so much, the DBs are so much more exposed. But as he, as he rightly said, and, and I agree, that you'll see a lot of those flags in the one-on-ones because obviously the, the, the referees, and they're going to call it how they would normally call it. So if they see holding or if they see PI, they're going to call it. And, but in, in a regular full game, because there's so much more going on and you've got run option as opposed to just passing, there's, you know, you're just going to see a lot less penalties in terms of the holding and in terms of the um, pass interference stuff as far as the DBs go. But – the amount of false starts, holy moly. There was a sequence there with the number ones and, and, and Morris was running the show. And I don't, I don't think hardly any of them were his farts. They let it go. There were some, uh, but there was some, of, some false starts with the tight ends and the tackles where it was just like they couldn't get on the same page. It seemed like there was one full series where they couldn't run a play without a penalty, without a pre-snap penalty. And so, and sometimes it was the other side. Maybe, you know, like Zion encroached a couple yeah. times. So, I mean, it was just like at the line of scrimmage, they couldn't, neither side could really get their act together today for, for a fair, fair part of it. Now, to their credit, I think they got it cleaned up to the point by when they got to the final team period, there wasn't that. hardly any of that stuff. But, man, in the middle of practice, it was, I mean, I, if I was John Donovan or if I was like Malloy or Gregor, I'd be like pulling my hair out. Yeah, you know, and there again, we don't know. You know, I kind of asked Jimmy, is this something you kind of whisper to the officials? You know, call it a little bit tighter. Or, you know, in another practice, they may say let them go a little bit more. So, you know, we don't have insight to that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, is this – who was it back in the day? Was it Cal? Their defensive backs just seemed to be holding on every call. Yep, that was uh, under – I'm trying to remember the DB coach. Yeah, I know who you're Who t- was he? He was he used to be here. Yeah. Bald guy. Oh, oh, Gerald Alexander? No. No. I know. Yeah. Nope. Came over from Cal. And I'm totally drawing a blank. His Keith brother Hayward? played on his. Yeah. Keith. Keith no, not Keith Hayward. It wasn't Keith. Nope. It was the guy. His brother was on the team. You talking about Dante Williams? Nope. His brother was on the team. Can't remember. Yeah, but it just seemed like they were holding on. His brother on. was a Fresno who died. Oh, passed um, away. you talking about Thompson? No. Uh, Williams. Um, Curtis Williams. 
Oh, yeah. okay. JD Williams. JD Williams. Yep, that's yeah. who it was. Yeah. Okay. How many, how many coaches did we go through? <laughs> that was but a yeah. lot. I, I thought you were talking about the last five, five or six years no. or so. No, okay. but they, they used to, I yeah. mean, that's what uh, he taught his guys. Every, okay. every play. Yeah. They every held play. all the time. Every play. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, turnovers again today. Uh, we had some nice plays on defense. Uh, yeah, I think the one that really stood out to me was Alfonso Tupatala, the linebacker. Yeah, and I don't remember if you saw the one that Zion Tupola Fatui did earlier in, in spring, where he basically just came up right like he was he couldn't have been one more than ten feet um, from Sam Heward, and Heward threw the ball, and he just literally sprung up and caught it. And that's exactly what Tupatala did today. This was against had, uh, O'Brien. This was against Patrick O'Brien. Yeah, he did the exact same thing. It was super athletic, and I I don't know what was more athletic: the anticipation to get to the point where you could make the play or the ability to hold on to it because it was coming at him fast. And he just snagged that thing like a, you know, like a line drive to a third baseman or something. It was just snagged. And uh, it was really, really impressive. When you talk, uh, you know, we're the first week into practice and, um, you know, a week in the books and ask Jimmy Lake about, you know, who is the light come on for? You know, who are the standouts? And and he got mad at you. He always gets mad at me. Yeah, because <laughs> he, he wanted you to narrow it down. So I said defense. Yeah. But uh, the guy that, um, you know, when he talked about that, he kind of smiles at about a lot more is Dominique Campton. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a guy to be really excited about. Yeah. And, I mean, he's getting a lot of run with those that first unit uh, defense. He and Cam Williams have kind of been the fixtures there. Um, they they put Bookie Radley back, and he did. Some now that's the first time I've seen him. Work. Is that the first time you've seen him do ex- safety. extended yep. safety work? Like, and yep. not just the safety work, but playing the free, yeah. where he's basically just out there roaming as the single high safety. Yeah, yeah, okay. that was the first time I remember seeing it. But yeah. granted, I didn't see Saturday or Monday. No, 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 and, that, and I don't so. remember that either. I, yeah. I just remember him working at the nickel. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I. You know, the, the secondary looks big and athletic, and those guys are making plays on the ball. Kyler Gordon had that one really pretty um, knockaway that he did. Um, you know, I can't remember. I think it was intended for O'Dunsey. I'm not 100% sure. But Sam makes a really nice throw, and, and uh, he, he knocks it away, and Kyler Gordon knocks it away. Um, you know, and, and then you got Elijah Jackson and James Smith, two big guys. Those, those guys look like safeties, yeah. and they're playing corner. And uh, Mikel Steen looks pretty good, too, running around doing his thing. So, yeah, Washington's pretty loaded in that secondary, and they, they've got some impressive-looking athletes. Now, can they get it done to the level that we've all become used to yeah. over the last six years? That's going to be the And, and the to thing. add a little bit more on, on, on Hampton, um, again, you guys were on your way up here, but I was able to see at the, at the very end kind of the final uh, team period and um, this was near or closer to the goal line. And because it was closer to the, to the goal line, everything is a lot more condensed. And so the guys like Hampton, they're playing a lot more on the edge, a lot more closer to the line of scrimmage in the box than they would in space. And he just absolutely stuck. I can't remember. I wish I could remember which running back it was. Um, but just absolutely just held the edge perfect and was just used his leverage. No, this was Dominic Hampton. Dominic Hampton. Okay. And, you know, again, this is you know a kid who's 220, playing safety, you know, looking like Camp Chancellor out there almost now and um, in terms of just having the body type. And if he, if he uses his leverage correctly and he, and he can play behind his pads, that's a guy that when you hit him, that other guy's going back. 
It's not one of those where it gets stuck or this guy's going to fall forward for a yard or something. Those guys go backward. Yeah, when you take a look at Dominic Hampton at 6'1", 6'2", and he's 220 pounds and he's playing safety. But, you know, from what we've seen and what Jimmy Lake is talking about, it sure sounds like he can play any position in that secondary and they can move him Mm -hmm. around. They can move him over to corner. They can play him at safety. They can play him at the slot. And the other thing, and we saw it last year and the year before, he's an absolute monster on special teams. He is. He is. Uh, Kyler Gordon was the one who got all the – Praise because he was one downing the ball inside the five yard line all the time. It's well, the like. gunner's world. Yeah, man. I mean it was beautiful. <laughs> but uh, no, J- no, he uh, Dominic Hampton is a guy who definitely contributes a lot on special teams. I'm dubious on him playing corner. Maybe he can get out there for a play or two and do it. Or if a guy motions out and he goes with them, I'm I'm if he needs to be playing inside. I think I, I think that's where he's at his best. Let him read the play and go make it that way. But um, yeah, I. You got to be excited about what you're seeing from this because you just don't see a lot of guys 6'2, 220 pounds in college football anymore. Jimmy Lake also uh, brought up Braylon Trice, who, yeah. you know, when we had um, Kaika Malloy earlier in the week, he said that, uh, was it, did he say that Braylon Trice is further along than Joe Tryon was at the same stage? No, he, he said he, said he, said he, he said he's going to be He's, he's following the same path as Joe Tryon and probably will have a better career. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty high praise. Yeah. And well, today he had one where he shucked off a blocker and, and uh, took on Sunday at the line of scrimmage, dropped him for a, not dropped him, but would it would have been a drop for a, um, a loss. And um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely put on some sizes the first time because we were up, what, what would you say, 20, 30 feet in the air? Whatever it is in the east stands when we're standing there. Oh yeah, when we're when we were on standing looking down. Yeah, on the Monday. And I hadn't seen Trice up close until today, which you know we were right on the same level with him. You can see he's reshaped his body quite a bit. He's he's added some bulk. He's added some muscle to his frame. I like what I'm seeing. What him. was he two ten when he showed up? Uh, no, he, no, 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 no. He was no, two thirty. He was two thirty, but it was different. It was a different two thirty. Yeah, I just remember him not being real big. No. Not being real big. But uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Jimmy had high praise uh, for Jalen Polk. Yep. As Chris said, um, best day as a Husky so far. He's only five practices in. but uh, And Jimmy uh, said that himself. Um, he actually had a nice grab from O'Brien. You're talking about the one earlier in practice where they blew the horn accidentally, but it yeah, that was, was the first catch that catch. I saw him make. But there was another one where he caught one between two defenders, yeah. and you know Brian hit him right down the, the center of the field in between two defenders, and he comes down with it. So, uh, yeah, it looks like the light maybe just turning on for him a little bit, and if he starts putting pressure on McMillan, on Bynum, on O'Dunsey, I think that's only going to bode well for the receiver group. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he's a guy that came in with a lot of praise because the bottom line is he's still a young kid. He's still in that um, same class with a guy like O'Dunze or McMillan, but yet he's the one that played in 10 games for Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. He's the one that, what did he catch, 28 passes or something like that? 22, 28, I can't remember. It was in the 20s. But, yeah, he caught a number of passes, for you know, and that's an offense where you're expected to be a really good receiver. I mean, they don't, you know, at Texas Tech, they don't, they don't, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. they they don't pick the nobodies as far as the receivers go, and so he sh- already started to show up. And, and like Jimmy said, I think the lights started to really go on for him. But to me, that's more about just familiarity and getting comfortable with what he's being asked to do here compared to 
Texas Tech, two totally uh, two totally different offenses. The other guy he said the light came on was JV on Sunday because JV on's light bulb came on that he realized what tempo it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so uh, that was pretty funny actually. Yeah. Uh, first thing that Jimmy Lake uh, mentioned to the media post practice was Richard Newton, and uh, you know Richard is back at practice today, and I thought the first couple of practices he looked like an absolute monster, and today he was working a lot with the threes, and I was kind of going, okay, what's going on with that? But he kind of informed us with what was going on he had a couple of false positive covid tests and i got why he missed two of the first three i gotta imagine that's just gotta be incredibly frustrating for Mm -hmm. a guy like that yeah absolutely and but they he said they've made the change and they're hoping that won't you know that won't be an issue going forward and i keep on telling this to people on the board you know when something happens like richard newton's not practicing you know, instead of jumping to conclusions and being judgmental, be more curious on what's going on because a lot of the time, you know, it's a class or something like this. And, you know, everybody always thinks a worst-case scenario. I'll never forget, um, you know, with Tyrone Willingham, and I'm trying to remember, it was the linebacker. It was Scott White wasn't practicing. And so we asked him about it. And, you know, Tyrone just said, you know, it's not football-related. Well, what is it? It's not football-related. I can't talk about it. You know, so everybody's thinking the worst, and he had the damn flu. Why couldn't he just say he's not feeling well, he'll be back? But, you know, just when you th- hear of things like that, you know, it's uh, good to hear that Richard Newton, you know, he's fine, and everything turned out well with Richard Newton because I think he looks like a monster out there. Well, it's funny because my recollection with Willingham is I thought it was a Ty Eric's had mono. Yeah, but, it was Scott White. Yeah, but I don't remember. But either way, yeah. they're, how they treat these things, you know, depending on how they do it, they can certainly blow up and become much bigger things than they ever should have, and typically they're usually much, much bigger deals in the, in the public sphere than they than they would have normally been anyway. But with HIPAA, sometimes it's an issue, and just with other times, can it's you like, just ask the kid? Is it all right if I tell him you have the flu? Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, at, 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 there are ways to be able to do it yeah. to, to make it work, but um, the the transparency is is laudable. I mean, it's it's it's. I'm glad he did it. Um, Jimmy Lake also went out of his way to talk about this coming Saturday. Weather's going to be absolutely stunning on Saturday. It's going to be Chamber of Commerce Day for sure. Uh, highs expected near 80 on Saturday. So it's going to be gorgeous. And just he gave us some tidbits on what to expect, Chris. Yeah, it's going to be fully live. And I doubt the quarterbacks will be, but yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, that's lots of scrimmaging. Yeah. I mean, it, that is one thing to, to, to think about. I mean, because. If they really ever made it fully, fully live, I'd be impressed because, I mean, there might be some there might be some reps that we've seen maybe in fall camp over the years where it's gone live, but yeah, with, I mean, I'm talking about even quarterbacks, but those guys usually are a protected species, 24/7, 365, and but even if it's 10 on 11, it's still awfully good stuff, and it's still stuff you would never expect to see as a fan at the University of Washington because it just doesn't ever happen except for one time in the spring, and that's spring game. So to see it two weeks before spring game, because that's the other thing we got to think about too, guys. After Saturday's practice, we're halfway through spring brawl already. Yeah. I mean, it has gone so fast, it's ridiculous. So... Yeah, you know, just make sure to go to GoHuskies.com, sign up for that, and do what you need to do on that. But it's going to be a gorgeous day. And for those who haven't been out for a while, there's a new place over in New Village. Shake Shack is open, so just kind of a heads up. If you want to go out for a burger afterwards, it's a great place to go. But um, just switching over to basketball real quick. 
Big news uh, with the hiring of an assistant. Mike Hopkins and staff announced today the hiring of Viking Jones, um, who was the head coach at Cal. He was an assistant under Cusano Martin, got elevated to an, um, uh, the coach at Cal. Didn't work out well as for him as uh, a head coach, but he's got a pretty good reputation as an assistant, and I think one of the key things that he's going to bring to the table he works with the bigs. He's a really good coach of the bigs, and it's something that Nate Roberts desperately needs, something that you know Jackson Grant is going to desperately need when he gets here come the fall, and also Riley Sorn, and you know they're looking at bringing in another big or two, especially a rim protector, so bringing in a guy who can work with the bigs and the recruiting reputation that he has. He was at Louisville uh, before Cal and has an excellent reputation as a um, – as a recruiter as well as a coach. So I think it's a really good hire. Just, you know, thoughts off the top of your head on that, Chris? Well, yeah, I was going to mention the Louisville piece because if you're an assistant under Rick Pitino during that time at Louisville when they won a national championship and they just, well, now these all these wins got vacated during his time there because of other things that happened that didn't have anything to do with Wyke and Jones. But um, so that's a little unfortunate. But he certainly has shown the ability to recruit. When he was at Cal under Quanzo um, Martin, he recruited Ivan Rabb. He recruited Jalen Brown. I mean, those are you know two guys that are awfully, awfully good players. Five star guys. And um, so he he is he he not only has West Coast ties, but he has ties to the area. It sounds like with Rotary. So it, it, it sounds like a good fit overall. My immediate reaction when I heard the news was like, I thought everyone was just going to cap on him for what he did as a Cal head coach. But clearly, in, in, in hindsight, when you look at it over the years, it was simply a situation where Cal wanted to hire from within really quickly because Conzo Martin took the, the, was it the Missouri job? And, um, and they just wanted to fill the spot and, and they thought he was ready to go. And clearly, when you have stints at, uh, at uh, Louisville under Rick Pitino, when you have a stint at New Mexico under Steve Alford, um, clearly there's going to be people on your side that think that you're ready to go, and he just wasn't ready to be a head coach at that time. Uh, now, if he gets a few years under his belt at Washington, who knows? He might end up you know, parlaying that into becoming a head coach somewhere. Um, might even be able to parlay it into becoming a head coach at Washington. Who knows? Um, but this is a good situation for him, and it's definitely a good situation for Washington for the for the reasons you laid out, Kim. Expect more basketball news to be coming down the pike. Hell, it could even be happening as we're doing this podcast. But uh, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on in the background for basketball, so just keep it tuned in. Just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates, and before I get there, Chris, anything I forgot to mention, anything you need to add? No, not really. Just, um, you know, I thought that the, obviously the play of Dominic Hampton, the safety st- stood out to me a little bit today because of the way Hampton played Jacoby Covington showed a, a lot to me in the team period with his toughness. But I think certain guys started to show out. Alex Cook didn't really play all that much today. Um, he didn't do much in the team or 11-on-11 sessions, even though he had his helmet. So, um, yeah, I just think that overall it was a really, really good day. I was shocked at the live mix. Um, and then when Jimmy Lake said they were going to go fully live on Saturday, that really kind of – uh, that was a great surprise, and obviously I really hope fans come out for, again, the reasons you described, Kim, with the weather and everything else. That's going to be a lot of fun. Scott? Um, you know, I I agree with Chris. Uh, thought the defense won the day, but I thought the offense had made some plays. Uh, liked seeing some of the full contact stuff. Um, hope the receivers can start 
just making better catches, making more plays, because this offense can be pretty good if they start doing that. Otherwise, um, yeah, looking forward to Saturday. Well, Friday and then Saturday, um, full full live thing. I'm 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 looking forward. I'm I'm kind of interested to see how many people show up because. It is a Saturday. Anything uh, recruiting-wise to touch bases on, or is just pretty much static? Well, it sounds like uh, as we're doing our podcast, Caleb uh, Presley, the cornerback from Eastside Catholic 2023 kid, um, got an offer from the University of Washington shortly after practice wrapped up. So um, definitely something on there. And the one recruit I did see in the stands was a kid that's related to one of the players, Landon Donovan. Uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) Donovan... Hatchet, sorry, Landon Donovan. Jeez, wow, there's a soccer I'm going for soccer you. right there. Nice, Donovan Hatchet, Garen Hatchet's younger brother, who is a 2023 uh, offensive line prospect. He uh, was on campus with his mom and dad and a friend of his, and um, they were taken in practice and pretty excited to see Garen out there playing center. So, yeah, thing I'm looking forward to most to Saturday. I think we'll get a better idea is golf? if well, Jimmy said you couldn't golf until after three o'clock. Okay. Meridian Valley. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we'll get a good idea of what we have in the running back room, you know, when we yeah. go into more scrimmaging and, uh, li- you know, uh, full full contact. So that's what I'm most looking forward to on Friday. Mm-hmm. So um, Saturday. Uh, excuse me, Saturday. Yeah. So, but there is practice Friday. Yeah, so. I'll be here. I'll be here. But, uh, you know, just a reminder for those looking for the daily updates again and, you know, the breaking news alerts like we did this morning with the hiring with Viking Jones, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will hook you up. And, uh, yeah, just it's good. You know, it's just it's been a long year and a half without football, you know, and just not being able to really go to the basketball game. So it's fun. It's fun to be out here and just to note on the gorgeous day and I'm the one who hates the cold fetters is the one with the hoodie with the hood up the entire practice just, well you know why I had the hood up so I wouldn't get sunburned okay that's why no I had nothing to do with the, with the temperature okay. I I was getting my the that's what I'm exactly all, yeah so to, knock it off man I'm, you don't I'm, even know what you're talking about I'm not buying that at all so Scott's buying it and that's all that matters <laughs> Big guys don't just, do heat. I'm just mad that you made me, you convinced me to bring in my jacket, and then I didn't even wear it. That's okay. Now i got to carry it. So oh, jeez. i got my wool base layers on. Yeah. So for all of us at Togman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, Chris Fetters, and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.